Warning, the Jeep Talk Show is intended for entertainment purposes only. Use as directed. In relation to actual information, real Jeeps or persons living or dead are purely coincidental. The Jeep Talk Show is not responsible for lost or stolen items, and some assembly is required. For a full list of restrictions and contest rules, see store for details. Batteries not included. The Jeep Talk Show is for external use only. Contents under pressure. Side effects may include vertigo, uncontrollable laughter, or greasy discharge and false kung fu powers. The Jeep Talk Show and its contents are known to cause cancer in the state of California. It is probably not a federal law to use this product in a manner inconsistent with its labeling. The Jeep Talk Show may be a choking hazard. Keep out of reach of small children. All safety precautions must be observed when using the Jeep Talk Show. If you feel you've reached this recording in error, please hang up and try your call again. Coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. In This Week in Jeep, the battle isn't over yet. Mahindra and FCA are still at it. And there was a big agreement settled between the United Auto Workers Union and FCA as well. We'll let you know what it all means. In Wrangler Talk, Bill breaks down all the components that make up the steering system on our Jeeps. What they're called, what they do, and how to take care of them. Tammy's talking about Colby valves and gives us more details about her Transamerica trail adventure in Jeep life. And just in time for winter, we've got some tips to keep that ice off your Jeep's windshield. Nick G calls in. He's going to be talking about forks and wet dreams. Can't wait to hear about that. We've got a whole bunch more show, so stick around. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Jeep Talk Show, celebrating our ninth anniversary. Thank you for being with us along the way. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Give it to me, Tammy. Uh, uh, Jeeps. Oh, gee, get off the... I know. I, do a little overlanding and you forget where you're going. I know. <laughs> Rovers. Howdy. My name is Tony, and I say howdy because I'm from Texas. Yeehaw! My name is Josh, and the only thing that I hate more than slow drivers on the freeway oh, are God. OED2 sensors. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tammy, a former soccer mom turned Jeep mom turned overland mom. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep this week is sponsored by, well, the Jeep Talk Show, of course. Without the outward drama of protests and a strike that marked General Motors' proposed deal with the union, you may have never known that the United Auto Workers Union and the uh, NFCA Council gave its blessing Wednesday to a tentative agreement between the union and the automaker. Not that FCA was on the verge of a strike or anything, but there has been rumblings that FCA uses a lot more temporary and transitional workers than its rival across the way in Detroit does. And it's been rumored that those workers do not get the same kind of pay and bonus structure as regular plant workers do. And their benefits package has been rumored to also be, well, at least something to be desired. FCA has promised to do more for these workers in the past, but apparently nothing was done. I think this is more of a preemptive move to stave off something like a full strike, though, more than anything else. Fiat Chrysler Automobiles workers represented by the United Auto Workers Union would see a boost for temporary workers, improvements in health care for in-progression workers, and a bonus that matches what Ford workers would get if they ratify a proposed labor, labor contract. Voting begins Friday and is expected to wrap up next Wednesday in an effort to make those bonuses available before Christmas. 
Fiat Chrysler's tentative labor agreement with the United Auto Workers Union has also confirmed details about several key Jeep models that are in the works. According to the reports, production of a new three-row SUV is set to begin in 2020. Now, Jeep hasn't had a three-row vehicle in its lineup since the Commander was discontinued in 2010 and is currently the only major brand without a third-row seated vehicle. Recent comments made by Fiat Chrysler CEO Mike Manley suggest that the Detroit-built model will essentially be a three-row version of the Grand Cherokee, but will likely wear a different name badge. And no, I'm not talking about the Wagoneer lines here. This will be a whole separate vehicle from those. The full-size Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer will, be, will compete against the likes of Chevy Tahoes, Suburban, and Cadillac Escalades, amongst others. All that we pretty much already knew. However, the agreement reveals that a plug-in hybrid version of these will be available starting in 2021. That was something that we hadn't gotten confirmation for in the past. Missing from the agreement is a mention of a third of a third three-row model, smaller and more car-like vehicle than the Grand Cherokee-based one that Jeep previously said would be on sale by 2022, which could mean it will be built outside of the U.S. and possibly not even sold here. We'll find out more about that as time goes on. All that aside, the big news from all of this is that we got confirmation of a rumor we first heard a couple of years ago. What we found out is that Jeep remains on track to introduce the first ever plug-in hybrid version of the Wrangler starting next year. That is big news. I don't think that uh, electric vehicles uh, have found their, their time in history yet. Um, we don't have, uh, as I like to say, the right power supply. When we get the right mm. power supply... And we have a lot, you know, when you can go uh, 400 miles, 700 miles uh, on a charge uh, or however it works, uh, then, then we have something. Because certainly you get more torque, you get a lot more instant uh, uh, horsepower from the electric engines. And I, I still have dreams of a, a Jeep with uh, four electric motors at, at each wheel. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. You know, talk about lockers. You know, you could do all kinds of things with that technology. So I'm very excited about, about electric. The only thing I can see um, that's a positive on the, the Wrangler hybrid is most people don't drive their, their Wranglers off-road. I do not see, and I could be wrong, but I do not see a hybrid uh, Jeep Wrangler being an off-road vehicle at all. Well, now they do have some electrification well, that is in the works, some electric boost, some electric assist that's going to be in there. Now, these are going to be plug-in hybrids, meaning that there's going to be an onboard battery bank and all that sort of stuff. You know, I don't know if they're talking about like, you know, plug-in hybrid, meaning that there's still going to be a gasoline engine in there, or if it's going to be an electric, you know, which uh, you plug in. And uh, I, look, I don't, there's not a lot of details on, on uh, what they're going to be doing. So uh, really how this is going to play out, I, I'm really uncertain at this point, and I'm not holding out any reservations. But what I do know is that there's been a lot of works going on behind the scenes uh, and electrification for Jeep is going to be something that is, uh, well, they're going to be on the cutting edge if, uh, if some other works start happening here in the next couple of few months, some things that are working behind the scenes. So uh, what all happens from that? Well, you guys will, of course, be the first to know. We'll be reporting on it here on the show. Tammy, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say I'm stocking up on um, extension cords. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, so, th yeah, I, be, I thought that was funny. I need to be out on the expedition run and, and uh, oh, geez, I'm out of juice. Anybody got some jumper cables? Nice uh, Honda <laughs> generator is strapped to the top of the Wrangler so you can. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's the tale of two Jeeps. 
It's been a little while since I've since it's been brought up, so I'd like to remind you that there is currently a great battle waging. A battle between Mahindra, who is selling their very Jeep-like rocks or off-road-only vehicle, and Jeep, who sells, well, you know, Jeeps. Fiat Chrysler alleges that the very Jeep-like Roxer is too very Jeep-like to be sold here in America. Well, on the face of it, this seems to more or less make sense. But when you dig a little bit deeper, things just aren't quite as clear. Mahindra has had actually had the license to build Jeeps for a hell of a lot longer than FCA has. That's something that's been missing from a lot of the knockoff Jeep reports you see online. Mahindra isn't just some random company that just woke up one day and decided to start building knockoff Jeeps. They actually have a heritage and a history almost as old as Jeep itself. Mahindra has been licensed to build Jeeps since the Willys era, way back in 1947, way before FCA was ever created. Now, they didn't steal the Jeep design. They've actually been building them for over 70 years. The Roxer was engineered and developed in the U.S. and is based on the same platform as Mahindra's Thar vehicle that is sold in India and many other markets. Mahindra has been manufacturing the Thar and its predecessors since just after World War II. The Roxer's resemblance to the CJ and military-style Willys Jeep is directly related to this 70-year heritage. It's worth noting that the Roxer is manufactured in Auburn, Auburn Hills, Michigan, and the, very, and the first assembly plant to be built in southeast Michigan in over a quarter century. Mahindra has invested hundreds of millions of dollars into building its U.S. operations and is currently operates multiple facilities in the Detroit area. It employs more than 400 U.S. employees and hundreds more through its network of over 400 dealers and U.S. suppliers. Now, while I certainly understand FCA's desire and need to protect their intellectual property, I'm going to risk a bunch of hate mail here and say that I'm a little bit more on Mahindra's side here primarily because of their history, but also the fact that they did take credible efforts to differentiate the Roxer's grill, or face if you will, and I really just can't imagine anybody confusing the purchase of an off-road only Roxer that you can only get at a Mahindra dealer with an actual Jeep-branded modern Jeep. Really, you, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I also don't really understand why none of this was ever sorted out between the two companies before Roxer was even introduced here in the United States, but I'm not some big shot automaker lawyer after all. Boy, I wish I had that paycheck though. If somebody could genuinely get confused about making that purchase, well, maybe they don't need to be driving at all, should they? I got a prediction. Uh, uh, Mahindra said, hey, we're going to start selling uh, these uh, Jeep-ish things since we're licensed for them. Uh, for so long, we're going to start selling in the, in the United States. We think that'll uh, be a good thing. Uh, we'd like to partner with you guys and, uh, you know, maybe uh, work out a little promotional, cross-promotional thing. And uh, FCA said, no, F off. <laughs> and, and Mahindra looked at their paperwork and said, hey, well, we're licensed for it, so we tried. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's something I don't think I mentioned. Um, Mahindra was at SEMA. And, oh, really? And I got to look at the Mahindras uh, directly. Uh, they had a beautiful Woody's-style uh, Mahindra there. I mean, oh wow, nice, thick wood all over the thing. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> my battery was dead on my phone at that, oh, by that point, no. so I didn't get any pictures. But I did give my card uh, to a, a gentleman there uh, about doing an interview. So hopefully, we'll go have an interview with Mahindra. Uh, sometime soon. Uh, I haven't heard b back from him yet. You know, there's so much stuff that goes on. I don't know if he if he'll remember to call. I'll probably have to do some digging over there. But they really are cool little vehicles. And uh, man, I think it would just be so much fun to you know go to Wendy's and get a burger in one. Yeah, 
No, absolutely. Hey, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, well, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, if you haven't checked out the 4x4 Radio Network website, it's time to do so right now. If you like off-road, you like podcasts, then that's the place for you. And for your friends, if they've got the same sort of interests. And hey, we've got something for other people there, even if they're not into Jeeps. We've got stuff there for the European crowd, for the Toyota crowd, you name it. The ATV guys as well. We've got everything from the Center Steer podcast, the On the Trail podcast. Uh, we got uh, Dan and the 4x4 podcast. Tons of great shows, tons of great audio. It's all for free. It's all in one place. Go check it out. 4x4 radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. One man. Is with this guy. Who is he? One mission. Who are we talking about? Who is this guy? Who are you? One model of Jeep. What is this? The Wrangler. Who are you? Call me Bill. It's Wrangler Talk with Bill. Hello, JTS listener, and as promised, we are diving into the steering system of your Wrangler. In this talk, we are going to cover each component of your steering system and possible failures of each. Well, there are a few main components of your Jeep steering system, and they are your tie rod, your drag link, your track bar, your pitman arm, and your steering box. Each component plays a crucial part in controlling the direction of your Jeep when driving down the road. So first, let's cover your tie rod. Your tie rod is the center shaft that links your two steering knuckles together, linking both of your front tires together. The tie rod is what controls your toe-in and toe-out factor when it comes to the alignment of your Jeep. The toe of your Jeep can cause your Jeep to pull in one direction or the other if your tires are towed out or in in either direction. So there is an adjustment sleeve that is normally on one of the ends of the drag link allowing the tires to be towed in or out during your, the alignment process. And this is very helpful making quick changes to the alignment of your Jeep. Your tie rod also has a ball joint located on each side of the tie rod creating the connection points between the steering knuckles and your drag link. And on the stock tie rod, these ball joints are normally not serviceable, requiring a new tie rod when they start to wear and go bad. And let me tell you, this is the best opportunity to replace that tie rod and make a bit of an upgrade. And on the 2007 Wrangler and newer, your steering stabilizer is also connected to the tie rod. And the steering stabilizer is assists in dampening the bumps in the road and giving you a smoother feel through the steering wheel when driving on and off road. So now on to the drag link. And the drag link connects from your steering box and pitman arm down to your steering knuckle. And the drag link is also adjustable. However, the drag link doesn't control any part of your toe in or toe out. The adjustment of your drag link affects the clocking of your steering wheel. So if your Jeep is still driving in a straight line down the road and your steering wheel is sitting at about 2 o'clock, that means your drag link length needs to be adjusted. Also, as stated on my last talk, the drag link also has ball joints on either end of the, of the rod. And same as the tie rod, on the stock version, the ball joints are not serviceable. So once again, great opportunity to upgrade your steering components if these ball joints start going bad. Now onto the steering box and the pitman arm. 
All Jeep Wranglers have a hydraulic assisted power steering box, meaning that inside the steering box, there's a series of valves that control the flow of pressurized hydraulic fluid to different cavities of the steering box to help turn the wheels in either direction. Most commonly, the steering box do not go bad itself. However, there is a possibility that the seals within the steering box may go bad, and yes, they are rebuildable. However, unless you are mechanically inclined, like really mechanically inclined, I do not recommend trying to rebuild a steering box yourself. I've tried it and I did not have any success with trying to get the steering box rebuilt. And yes, I know it could save you a bunch of money. And yes, there are kits out on the market to rebuild them. But unless the seals are perfectly seated within the steering box, there will be a failure down the road or immediately when you turn the Jeep on and provide pressurized fluid to the box. And it can cause harm to other components in the steering system like your power steering pump or the lines that provide the fluid to the steering box. And now onto the pitman arm. And this is a crucial part of your steering system and is very make important to make sure that your pitman arm nut is properly torqued to the correct specification. Your pitman arm actually creates the lateral movement in relation to the steering box. And if your steering box and the pitman arm nut isn't correctly torqued down, that means that there could be some play in your steering system. And nobody likes any play when you're driving down the road. Let me tell you, it's not fun. So let's push this pitman arm back to the wayside for right now and we'll come back to the pitman arm after i talk about my favorite part about the steering system and that is your track bar your track bar is probably the most important part of your steering system and that is because your track bar keeps your axles and wheels centered under your jeep and the track bar consists of two main components two bushings one on either end of your track bar and a metal shaft. The reason why I say that the track bar is the most important part of your steering system is because when you turn your wheel in either direction, the track bar creates the solid brace against your frame, linking the frame to your axle. So you may have actually heard of an adjustable track bar as well, meaning that one side of the track bar has an adjustment sleeve allowing you to adjust your track bar length in either direction allowing you to recenter your axle under your Jeep in relation to your frame rails. And this is very important in keeping your Jeep traveling straight down the road and allowing for proper alignment of your wheels. Also, another cool thing is that your track bar, if you didn't have it, if for some odd reason you want to try this, don't know, possibility, remove your track bar and try to turn your steering wheel. You'll actually notice your entire Jeep moving side to side and your wheels won't turn whatsoever. So, fun thing to do, possibility if you have your track bar removed for some reason, try it out. Now onto those bushings and they are located at either end of your track bar. And let me tell you, if these bushings start to go bad, that's actually a possible cause of, yeah, that horrible death wobble. Yes, so check the bushings in your track bar. You might have just found why you have any death wobble possibilities in your steering system. Also, when looking at your steering system, your track bar and your drag link actually should be parallel, meaning that they should be on the same plane when looking at the two bars. There should be an equal distance between the track bar and your drag link when looking at them from the front of your Jeep. All the way from your 
track bar mount on your frame and your pitman arm all the way down to the track bar mount on your axle and your steering knuckle. If they are not parallel, this could also be another reason why you have some wobble in your steering system when driving down the road. So now back to the pitman arm. And one way to make sure that these two components are parallel at all times is looking into a drop pitman arm or a longer pitman arm, meaning that there are there is a greater drop in where your pitman arm connects to the steering box and where your drag link connects to the pitman arm. And this will ensure that your drag link and track bar are parallel at all times when driving down the road. And this is very important. So this wraps up this Wrangler talk. And remember, check those bushings and your ball joints. You might have just found the cause to your steering problem. And thank you for the listening. And remember, if you want to hear about a topic in the Wrangler talk in the future, send us an email or a voice message on our website at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And join us next week where we'll be continuing to talk about your steering system. You know, actually, I should do this with a little bit of uh, Southeast Texas accent. This may sound funny from a Southeast Texas boy, but there are five ways to keep ice off your windshield. So number one, the night before freezing oh, temperatures. No, just do it regular. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Cut an onion in half and rub it all over your windshield. The sugar from the onion creates a film over the window, enhancing the melting of the ice. You know, you can also use a potato. So potato, onion, doesn't really matter. Number two, you can spray your windshield with a mixture of vinegar and alcohol. And I think this is probably rubbing, not the, the good stuff. So, you know, put that back on the shelf. If ice does form, it should come off easily with a credit card. Number three, salt changes the freezing temperature of water. Mix some table salt with hot water to dissolve it, but be sure and let it cool to room temperature first so you don't crack your cold windshield. (laughs) Then just spray it on. Number four, cover your windshield. Duh! (laughs) If it's covered, no ice will form, right? Don't have a cover? Just grab your floor mats. Number five, park facing the sun. That would be east, people. If you didn't know, the sun rises in the east. And if you park your vehicle east, Mother Nature will defrost your windshield for you. Now, how's that for solar power? Well, guys, you actually live in places where, for- you, where you get ice on your windshield. What, what do you do? Uh, turn the defroster uh, on. Scrape it off. <laughs> and no, seriously, it's it's like there are mornings. Uh, in fact, just last week, uh, there was uh, two mo- two mornings that came out, and the car was frozen. Or park in the garage. Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my driveway faces north and south, and I leave before the sun comes up. So half of these don't work for me. But uh, but no. Uh, usually I I just grin and bear it, Tony. Um, I I you know let the vehicle warm up a little bit. I break out the ice scraper and I just go to town. Um, you know, a couple 30 seconds, 60 seconds and your windshield's clear enough for you to, you know, start moving down the road, uh, versus, you know, I got to do a chemistry experiment the night before. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just kind of just power through it. I don't know. You know, I thought it was really funny when I read about the, uh, the onion and the potato. I had never heard about that before, but then again, you know, down, down here in Southeast Texas, we don't usually have to do that, but you know, Mitch, a little, little carrot and some cornbread, you got a windshield oh, stew. Oh, there I you assume. go. I like that. Um, and, and you can use the uh, the heating up engine to uh, warm up the meat. 
So, oh, yeah. um, you, you know, I don't know if you saw this news uh, this news item. A lady actually, uh, her windshield was not completely defrosted, and she struck and hit an elderly couple that were Ooh. that were walking and killed the man. Oh uh, man! So she did not take the the time that you take to clear clear the windshield. So um, there's there's people that that this could benefit because somebody yeah, might be alive if, if they had scrubbed a potato over their windshield the night before. Now I know if you li- if you're further north than I am, or even in a different country, you may have some other or better ways. I'd like to hear them. Go over right now, as Josh would say, to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and email me, or better yet, send us a voicemail that we can play on the show. We love hearing from you. Make it up in Tech Talk. Brake rotor stuck. No slide hammer. No problem. Do I sing Jeep Life again? Jeep Life. Jeep Life. Hey, thanks for joining Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Um, today, we're going to do part two of Adam's extreme off-road adventure that Neil and I were on. Um, Last week, I left you when we had crossed the Mississippi, and let me tell you, the West is so amazing. Um, I I just, it's overwhelming, it's breathtaking, it's, you know, words can't even describe um, how awesome and amazing it was. We um, went to Sedona, beautiful, beautiful area. I was hoping to get two trails in there, but I didn't realize the West trails are so much different than the East. In the East, you could get like a whole bunch of trails in, but that's because they're really super short. Well, we did Red Rocks. Um, we um, The Red Rocks, we did the Broken Arrow Trail, and we kind of slept in that day anyway, so we were kind of behind. But I also wanted to do, there's a Jeep Badge of Honor Trail, but it's way easier then Red Rock or the Broken Arrow, and I wanted to do Broken Arrow because it was more difficult. So did Broken Arrow. I did a lot of screaming and yelling and are you sure's to kneel on this trail going up this one rock. Um, he made me go up it again so I could try to, you know, get over my fear of it. And it started to work. Um, he really knows how to break me of my fears. The other thing we did is we got to drive to the bottom of the Grand the Grand Canyon. And this is nothing special that we got done for us. Anybody can do this. If you go to Peach Springs, Arizona, which is the capital of the Hulapai Nation, it's an Indian reservation, they have land there that is to the west of the Grand Canyon Park. And it's still the Grand Canyon and the Colorado River flows through. There's this natural resources building. It's this old-timey looking building where you can go inside and get a permit to drive down Diamond Creek Road, which goes all the way down to the Colorado River. It's only $16.27 per person. And driving down into the canyon is so cool. It's, I mean, uh, it's so, the trail is so easy. You could take your, your van down there. You could take your Honda Accord down there. It's just a gravel road, amazing views. Um, that was so fun. And of course, I'm going to have videos of all these on my YouTube channel when I get done editing them. Then we headed to Kingman, Arizona, which the wheeling there is unbelievable. Um, I thought we were on the trail and it was actually the road to get to the trail. And the trails there are just one big obstacle. Uh, we went through this washout with huge rocks in it. 
Um, this is where I damaged my Jeep, um, which I'm getting painted. They're not going to be able to get the dent out, which I'm okay with that, um, on Tuesday. But I damaged it because I got stuck and I had to do a 112-point turn, which never worked. So um, there is some video of that, but not of when I'm turning because I was a little pissed at that point and was not a fun person to be around. And we also, we wheeled with and met Rick Swats, who is the guy who stopped BLM from closing trails in that area. And you can check out my YouTube channel because there's a video on how to stop BLM from closing the trails. There's lots of tips in there how we can stop them in our individual areas. Um, and then we met the guys from Summit 4x4 and Pres Pres Prescott, 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 Prescott. There's, it's spelled Prescott, but they say it a different way. Anyway, so these guys are so awesome. They're a 4x4 club and an off-road um, garage, and they've combined forces, and they are now creating a non, in the process of creating a nonprofit organization to stop BLM from closing our public lands. So stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show and to my blog, and we'll be sharing that information. So then we wheeled Mojave Road, which is so cool. It's, it's just an amazing drive. It's super easy. It's just on a sandy dirt road. Um, is there such a thing as sandy dirt? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so that was really fun. We did all the little the mailbox um, stop and all those things. Then we headed to where Tony had just wheeled to Big Bear Lake in California, and I wheeled Gold Mountain twice. There's an interesting story to that. Um, and I will be sharing a video in two weeks about the first time I went on Gold Mountain. Um, yeah, I'm surprised Neil didn't throw me right off the mountain. Then we wheeled Pinion Mountain Trail in Anza Borrego Springs in California. That was super beautiful. I felt like I was on a planet in the Star Wars movie because of the canyons and everything. Um, I went down this super, super steep hill and I did not scream and I did not swear and everybody would be so proud of me. That video is coming soon too. And both of those trails were Jeep Badge of Honor trails. Then we went and we interviewed Paul with Nexon, which Neil and I will be sharing our Nexon tire review shortly. And then we started heading back home, which was really, really hard. Um because I had such a great time. So, more fun stuff coming on my YouTube channel, so stay tuned to that. Just search The Jeep Mama. And my blog, I'm doing day-by-day -day journals on my blog. I'm on day 11 tomorrow. So you can go check that out at jeepmama.com. All righty. Well, Josh and I were just uh, chatting uh, behind the scenes because, uh, no, your phone is not messed up. Your stereo in your Jeep is not messed up. <laughs> Tammy's audio took a little bit of a dive there, but we can still understand her. So I just want to let you know, for some strange reason, Skype is just not liking Tammy tonight. So uh, you may hear, be hearing less of Tammy tonight than usual. So sorry about that, Tammy. Uh, the internet gods are not uh, smiling favorable on us. How does my Jeep life compare with yours? I'd love to hear your story. Contact me and share it. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com contact slash contact to find out how. Hey, are you going topless this weekend? Find out where you can in Jeep weather with Mitch. 
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now. And I figure I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little? bit oh and people are subscribing uh being paid subscribers and we really do appreciate it and uh oh you know we haven't mentioned uh the uh the stickers uh i haven't seen any new uh, uh sticker requests coming in we're still sending out stickers uh i'm sorry i need to remind you guys every show because we want everybody to uh have a sticker or two just uh contact us through jeep talk show uh, slash contact jeep talk show.com slash contact give you the whole thing and uh, you will all be able to uh, send us a request for some stickers, and we'll send you a, uh, a mailing address where you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope, and then we'll get those stickers right out to you. So, yeah, kind of free, uh, as long as you don't count the stamps. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! No slide hammer? No problem. I learned this trick working on countless front-wheel drive vehicles doing brake jobs for my own cars, and but also friends and co-workers' rides too. And even though this exact method was more or less developed to more easily remove pressed-on rotors, it's a great way to remove a frozen, seized, or otherwise stuck axle shaft out of a dirty or gunked-up axle tube. Maybe your axle seals have been leaking for quite some time, and the tubes are just chock full of crime and gunk, acting like tar or glue holding that shaft in the tube. Maybe you're dealing with a junkyard axle, and things are just seized up or rusted in place. Ordinarily, one would turn to the power of a slide hammer to pull that rotor, yank that shaft out of its hole. A lot of people don't have this tool or even access to it without driving across town to the one part store that has this one tool for rent. Or maybe you're out on the trail and who brings a slide hammer with them on the wheeling trips? You can skip all that hassle and still get the results you want by simply using a length of chain. I have an old tow chain laying around and there's a chance you do too or you know somebody who does. It doesn't have to be a tow chain though, it can actually be any length of chain, at least six or eight feet in length actually, and large enough so that you can get a bolt through it to screw to one of the links of the, uh, to the rotor, or in the case of a stuck axle shaft, the chain needs to have links large enough for one of the wheel studs to fit through one of the links. Once you have one of the links on the end of the chain over the stud, you'll use a lug nut to secure it in place. Now, making sure your work area is clear of obstructions, pets, other vehicles, and anything made of glass, you're gonna and with a little slack in the line, you're going to want to give that chain a big ol' yank. The weight of the chain, combined with the forces generated by the action of yanking on that chain, create a whip-like effect, multiplying the pulling forces exerted by several factors. The more the chain that is loose and in, on, on motion uh, is that much more weight and mass moving in the right direction. Too short of a chain, and you won't be able to generate the forces needed to make things happen. Too long of a chain, and you risk injury or damage to the vehicle. Try it out, and let us know how it worked out for you. I don't know, Josh. Maybe it's just me. I've got that sort of mind, but the, the beginning of your uh, Tech Talk segment sounded very sexual to me, with all the lube and the shaft and the... And Easy now. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it just me? It can be just me. I think it might just be you. All right, all right. Uh, it's just Oh, Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> People are rewinding. Yes. They go back and listen yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I hear what he heard? I think I heard something different. 
Hey, do you have anything to add to this? Maybe you have a question for Tech exactly. Talk or a subject that you would like covered. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Well, now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a deck of big old tires and a liar. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. From the mind of Nikki G. This portion of Nikki G brought to you by Salad Forks. Want to wash twice as much cutlery? Try using a salad fork. <laughs> hey, this is Nikki G. And I uh, want to give a shout out to uh, Carolina Trails Off Road. They just hosted their fall finale or fun alley. And, uh, went there, had a great time. If you guys are ever in the Carolinas, look up Carolina Trails Off-Road. You can't wheel with a bunch, better bunch of people. Well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you guys about this <laughs> really weird dream I had last night. had a dream that I was uh, eating a clock. Yeah, it was very oh, time-consuming. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, oh, boys wow. and girls, I'll chat at you later, and you have a good one. Bye. Oh, no. Have you guys seen those memes where some star like uh, Sandra Bullock or somebody is uh, is is uh, is in the thing, and they say, she says, quit sending, me, sending this, this damn thing to me, and it's it's some negative thing that's happened. It's a, some timely thing. I can't remember what it was. It was about, I think it was the uh, the, the blind movie that she was in where she had to oh, wrap yeah. the thing, and she, you people quit sending me this stuff. You know, it, I'm sure nobody's sending her anything. I don't even think she's on social media. But uh, in that same vein. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Yeah, that same type of idea. Whenever I see a really bad dad joke or just a really bad joke on uh, Facebook, I tag Nikki G on it. I'm trying to give him new material. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Now, what is it and why do I want it? Okay, folks. This is a must, an absolute must. Everyone should have in their recovery recovery gear um, valve stems brake on your tires, especially if you wheel and even if you drive crazy and rub up against the curb. And I can attest to this because when I was wheeling in Kingman, Arizona, that's what mine did. Um, As a matter of fact, it's the second time I've messed up my valve stems um, the first time it was just a slow leak, so I didn't really notice it. But then this time in Kingman, it popped my bead and my tire went all wonky. So luckily, one of the guys wheeling with us, Joe Yell, had one, um, had a Colby valve. That's what I'm talking about, Colby valve, C-O-L-B-Y, like the cheese. Um, he was so excited, and I'm looking at him like, why are you excited? My tire just got all messed up. And he was so excited because he finally got to use his Colby valve. He had it for a year. Um, (laughs) And it's not like he wanted my tire to break, but it's so exciting to be able to use these tools that we buy. So it is so easy to use. 
when they figured out it was my valve stem that um, was the issue, Neil just pulled out the old one, screwed in the new one, and we filled it with air, and bam, it popped back on. Now, the Colby valve is built better than our valve stems that we have on our tires. It installs from the outside of the wheel in about one minute, and actually it was less than a minute. Um, it's 20 times stronger than the standard valve, and it's made in the USA. They are patent-pending Colby valves, and they're hands down the strongest, most convenient, and best valves on the planet. Um, they have permanent ones, they have emergency ones, they have short ones and extra large ones, and they run between $25 and $35, depending on which set you get. Um, I highly, highly recommend this. It is such a super easy fix. You don't even have to change the tire. And we were in a really precarious position when mine broke. So this saved us from a horrible high lift jack tire change in the rocks. And my Jeep was all wonky. So Colby Valve, go check them out. Have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. You know, it's starting, it's heating up again. It, it hit 78 here. That is way too hot for December. Yeah, it really is. Well, you know, uh, down here in Southeast Texas, we have winter two days out of the year. I've mentioned it before. Uh, one day is in December usually, and another day is in February. <laughs> well, it was, uh, I think, about 38 degrees uh, Wednesday night when yeah. I'm uh, rolling home from work, and uh, the Jeep had been acting up on me a little bit. I had gone to, to started to go to leave for work that morning, uh, couldn't. Uh, the battery on the on the uh, on my car was uh, was dead. I, I found out the fan had stayed on or something like that, and it had drained it. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm not going to bother with jumping it. I'm just going to take the Jeep. So I get in the Jeep, uh, get two blocks down the road, and the check engine light comes on. You've got to be effing kidding me. So I turn around, go back to the house. I grab my code reader really quick just to find out if it's something serious, if I got to call in, or if I can just you know deal with it. And the, it wasn't flashing or anything like that. I knew it wasn't too big of an issue. Um, so I, uh, I was like, okay, let's see what, you know, what's going on here. Ended up being the, the, um, uh, cam or crankshaft position sensor, uh, connection error or something like, something like that. I was like, okay, it's running. It's fine. Uh, it doesn't seem to be acting up too bad. I'm just going to go ahead and push through about three quarters of my way to work. Um, I noticed there was some timing issues that were starting to develop and I was like, okay. It, it, and then just went away. I was like, all right, good, fine. We're just going to push through this. And I'll deal with the rest of this, you know, the, the you know, over the over the weekend. I'll try to get it started in the uh, in the parking lot on the on the yeah. drive home before Thanksgiving. Exactly. <laughs> so um, went through work, no problem. Uh, even took it out for lunch, no problem. Uh, drove home, everything was fine until I get uh, in into town, uh, into where into the area in which I live. And mind you, I've got a forty mile one way commute. It's about an hour and a half drive for me at night. Um, so I, I'm I'm about maybe a mile from home and the jeep really starts acting up and i'm like oh no come on please don't die don't die and i i'm coming up to the stoplight and i'm like i can't stop if i if i stop the jeep's gonna die 
And if the Jeep dies, there's likely very little chance it's going to start again. So the light turns, the left-hand turn light goes before the, the straight forward. The straight forward light is the one that I needed to go through. I can't go that way. I've got to go left. I make it through the intersection. The Jeep dies and it won't start. I have just enough momentum to keep myself going just over the crest of this hill. Down the hill I go and into a parking lot and there the Jeep was. For the next two and a half, three hours, I'm going back and forth with starting the vehicle or trying to start the vehicle, uh, trying to do some troubleshooting and whatnot. Um, I know what the problem was, is that dang crankshaft position sensor, Always it's the is. one that's on the yeah. back of the bell housing, you know, it's the one that you need four feet of extensions to get to, um, you know, you got to drop the front drive line, the whole kit and caboodle. So I'm like, all right, I got my tools with me. All my tools and everything, all my stuff was still in the Jeep from the weekend prior when I had gone out on a wheeling trip. Thankfully, I had everything in the Jeep still, including a spare sensor. So I go through the entire process of trying to, and mind you, it's damn near freezing cold. I'm not really dressed for this, and all I have for light is my cell phone. So I'm, I'm trying to do this. It takes forever. I finally get it swapped out. Jeep won't start. <laughs> okay, apparently it was the camshaft position sensor, not the crankshaft position sensor. Oh, how I love you, OBD2. So I um, am basically screwed at that point. Um, the owner of the establishment uh, whose parking lot I was in comes up to me and he's just like, hey, uh, what, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, it, I just I got a little sensor issue happening. Uh, I'll get this out of here as soon as I can. I am definitely not leaving this overnight because uh, if I did, I knew that I was going to come to it the next morning. And it was going to be stripped. Uh, so uh, um, I, I start calling in favors. Of all of my Jeep buddies who I've helped out over the years, I finally get a hold of one who thankfully lives close enough to me. He's got a, a big uh, uh, Chevy van. Uh, it's got a big you know, V8 in it and stuff like, hey, do you think you can bring your van over here and tow me like a mile and a half, two miles to my house? I'm not that far away. I just need a little tug. Can you help me out? Well, that didn't sound right. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's like, no problem. I got you. So he, uh, he shows up about a half hour later and, uh, and we get the Jeep towed out to my place. Um, <laughs> I live on, uh, I live on a hill and, uh, my driveway is also Oops. inclined. And so there's no way I was getting it in, into the, uh, into the garage. I was like, you know, let's, let's park it about a, a block up. I'll coast it in. I'll give it a good push and I'll coast it in, into the driveway and up. And hopefully I'll have enough momentum to where I can pull it into the garage. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I got about halfway up the driveway and there the Jeep sat. I was like, well, I'm not leaving it in the, in the, in the driveway. I've got to get it in the garage. So, um, I, uh, had enough juice in the, in the batteries and everything, uh, hooked up the winch to that, you know, pole that every garage has in front of its hot water heater. And I winched the Jeep into the garage and, uh, and there it sat for the next uh, four days while I procured a camshaft position sensor. That is the one that is underneath of the distributor. Um, that's and the, it's actually that's not the easy really a camshaft one to, position sensor. It's, that's it's, the easy it's one to replace. A, a, uh, <laughs> a, a distributor coil pickup. Yeah, that's the easy one, Josh. You, you know that is the easy one. Two Phillips screws. You yeah. can do it right from the top. It takes literally less than three minutes to swap out versus three effing hours <laughs> in a parking lot at night in the dark. So what you should do is, anytime you you're missing something and you're looking for it, always start in the room that has the best lighting. 
Yeah, it's really strange. That's really strange. I've had uh, I've had one go out and you know, with multiple Jeeps, I I'm getting confused which one it was. I think it was the '99 that I had that problem, and I actually have a uh, a, a couple of uh, a couple of spares uh, laying around here someplace because I think I bought one that. Uh, wasn't uh, the uh, the Chrysler one and I yeah that's that's what I did I bought the one that wasn't Chrysler because it was cheap and it was like literally the only part store in the area that that carried any of those uh, otherwise it was going to the dealership and spending 150 bucks right and I was like no I I kind of overextended myself for some Christmas shopping anyway so I got to go with the cheap one right now right. Uh, but I'll see if I can't maybe track down a uh, an actual you know a Mopar uh, yeah. version. Uh, which I've, I found for as little as 115. So Goodness. there we go. Yeah, buy two, get two of the cheap ones. That way you'll have yeah. a spare and uh, change that one out first next time. And I'm really surprised you had this problem, uh, especially since it wasn't a crank position sensor. Now that's not the original crank position sensor, is it? No, it's not. That's and that's just it. Well, so I ended up swapping in the original. The spare that I had is the one that was originally in the Jeep. Many many years ago, I had a no start issue. And all of my troubleshooting led me to believe that it was this sensor. You're not getting, you're not getting what you're supposed to be getting. This is what you're, this is what the problem is. So I went and swapped out that sensor. No start. What ended up happening was the rotor in my distributor ended up grenading on me and that, that center contact ended up breaking off and I just wasn't getting spark through my distributor. Plain and simple. That's all the problem was. So I swapped out that that uh, crank position sensor on the back of the bell housing for nothing, you know, many, many years ago. Well, I just held on to that sensor as a spare and thought that, well, okay, I got it. Uh, you know, I pulled the code. It said it was the, you know, crank or camshaft position sensor. It wouldn't identify which one exactly. And I was like, okay, well, it, this is always the one that goes out. It's never this other one. Well, lo and behold, this one time it was. Yeah. Uh, and you made, I mean, in my estimation, 20 year Jeep uh, uh, Cherokee owner, you made the, the right call. That's the one uh, that it's going to be. Uh, we yeah. all know that. All Cherokee owners know that. And, you know, I'm not sure uh, about the, the TJs, uh, but I suspect the TJs are in the, the same uh, the same position. So yeah, it's a four liter. It's a four liter yeah. issue in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, crank, you know, there's been a number of stories where uh, people have picked up uh, great deals on uh, on Cherokees, on XJs uh, that were sitting there and not running. They wouldn't start. And they swapped in a uh, crank position sensor and $500, they go home. So there you go. <laughs> no, it was a, that's a shame. And it, it impacted your ability to get Thanksgiving going, wasn't it? It drastically affected my Thanksgiving uh, because Wednesday night is when I do all of my prep. I do all of my baking. Every, all of my prep work is done. The turkey goes in the brine that night. Everything is done Wednesday night. So that come Thursday, it's all very linear and my timing is going to be good and everything just sort of falls into place because all my prep is already done. Well, none of that got done. Well, it did, but I was up until about one o'clock, oh, two o'clock the, the you know Thanksgiving morning getting it all all handled out. But uh, so yeah, yeah, really good times. Uh, I was I was uh, not happy about all that. Any time during that uh, that prep work or maybe underneath the Jeep, were you were you considering selling the beast? Lighting on a fire. Uh, <laughs> 50 caliber BMG just all night long. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, there was lots of thoughts that went through my head. <laughs> you were supposed to but, say, uh, you were supposed to say very inspirationally with a very simple answer. No, never. I would never right, sell yeah, my, yeah. my Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yes, and a bunch of four, a string of four-letter words as well. So, uh, but the, uh, ultimately, this also uh, affected my uh, ability to go on a on a big run that I had oh, planned. Uh, I was going to be hooking up with a bunch of people from um, uh, the old um, North American XJ Association chapter that I was a president of, and uh, a bunch of guys who I haven't seen in years. Uh, and, and doing some trails that I haven't hit in years as well. And it was going to be a, a lot of good times. You know, I was maybe even going to get some night wheeling in and stuff like that. This threw all of that out the window. So I, yeah, pretty much, uh, Jeep sat all weekend. So. Well, you know, when you have an older Jeep like that, especially since you're not driving it daily, uh, things are going to happen like this. So yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you were able to uh, to get all that uh, that ironed out. And that, oh yeah, runs you, like a champ now. <laughs> uh, did you, and I don't know if you mentioned it. I uh, I, I don't know. I was, I was looking at some of the the stuff behind the scenes here. I don't know if you mentioned it just now, but did you say anything about your uh, your primary vehicle with the the issue? Uh, that was so that, that um, I, I had like a, a relay or something that got stuck. You know, like oh. when you uh, when you're driving, you got the AC on and stuff like that, um, and you come to a stop and uh, uh, the the you turn off the car, but the fan stick keeps going to kind of yeah. cool things off. It, it apparently didn't shut off. Oh wow! There there's a timer or a relay that kind of got stuck or something like that, and um, and it, it must have just drained the battery because uh, when I when I went to go charge the battery again, that's the first thing that came on. I was like, that's, that's really weird. That shouldn't be, shouldn't be happening. Um, so, and I, you know, kind of thwacked the, 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 uh, the, the relay, relay it, yeah. it, it tripped. I don't know. I, it, I disconnected the battery because all these other things were, were kind of going on and off because there was a low voltage issue and, uh, you know, modern cars don't like, you know, low voltage, uh, uh the, a lot of the, uh, and this is a can system too. So, you know, all, all those, all those systems that all talk to each other and everything, they need a certain amount of voltage to work. Uh, and that communication just wasn't happening. The voltage wasn't there. So I disconnected the battery, charged it up, uh, hooked it back up. Fan issue was gone. Uh, really hasn't given me any issues. I'm just going to keep an eye on it. Uh, anytime that I, you know, get out of the vehicle and the fan is still going, well, then I know I need to, you know, kind of take a look at something or swap out a relay. So is it, uh, is it not the standard, uh, $7 relay that they're using? Is it something? No, no, it, it is. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's Volkswagen. So it's, you know, it's a, a, a special Bosch relay that I'm going to have to go buy, but, uh, but yeah, it's. It, I mean, relatively easy to get to. It's, it's not just. It, it's no, a, I was thinking maybe it was a really expensive relay. I'm just surprised with all the the hell that you went through that you didn't. Uh, you didn't. Tony, if it that. wasn't for bad luck, I'd have none. I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean. Well, would you like to join in on the campfire side chat? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey Jeeper, Mitch here. Today is the 6th of November 2019 and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. Yes Jeep fan, we made it to the last month of this year. Let's start going topless and the weather in Springfield, Arkansas. Cloudy all weekend with 61 on Friday, 55 on Saturday, 57 on Sunday. Good for those pictures. Next, let's take our tops off and cruise through Springfield, Kentucky. High chance of rain on Friday at 51, cloudy on Saturday and Sunday with 49 and 54 degrees. No worries about drying off. You'll be topless anyway. How about going topless in Springfield, Nebraska? Cloudy all weekend with 39 on Friday, 52s for Saturday and Sunday. Hey now. I seem to be only looking at Springfields. Maybe I should watch The Simpsons, huh? 
<laughs> well, then now the us and into Canada. Hey, weather here is my kind of weather. Possible rain on Friday at 39 and cloudy Saturday and Sunday with 32 and 45 degrees. Wait, this is Springfield, Ontario. <laughs> Looks to me that all these Springfields have similar weather systems affecting them. Well, there you go, Jeeper. Go topless in Springfield. Moderate temps with clouds and maybe rain. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local Jeep weather in an upcoming episode, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. You know, you got to have a, a, a tough time if your job is to re- report on all the places that you can go topless in the middle of winter. <laughs> I guess it would be Florida all the time. <laughs> yeah, right? Arizona, maybe Vegas. I don't know. Yeah, Richard. Well, or Texas. Apparently, it's going to be 78 there next week. I've... Oh, I think we're getting another uh, cold front uh, first part of next week. Good. It's yeah. winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, now let's get some some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Don't forget to let us know about an event that you are planning or are involved with. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and click and fill out our wheeling wear form. That information will get right out to the masses as soon as we can. Hey, if you've got a new off-roader in the household or maybe you just aren't quite as confident as you would like to be out on the trails, well, we've got an off-road driving 101 class happening December 20th in Roush Creek at the Roush Creek Off-Road Park in Pine Grove, Pennsylvania. Happening December 28th, almost at the end of the year, it's the New Year's Rollin' Ride at the Adventure Off-Road Park in Pittsburgh, Tennessee. For more information, more events, and links, visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, and like, and subscribe anywhere where you can find us. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. And I swear, if you don't tell a friend about the show... I will find you, and I will cut you a big piece of cake, because I'm really not that violent of a person. Podcasting since 2010.